The scripture reading today is Luke 17, and it's verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from, them, from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had, that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Carla. Well, good morning. morning. It is such a joy to be with you again. Will you pray with me? Lord, here we are to worship, and Lord, here we are to praise you. May you open our hearts and open our minds as we hear what you might be saying to us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in this passage, we hear that Jesus Christ is on the move. That God is on the move, that God's people are on the move. We find ourselves with Jesus this morning in this section of Luke's gospel, which is normally dubbed the travel narratives. And what that just means is that Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem. He's moving towards what we know will be his eventual arrest and crucifixion. But on his way, We find Jesus in this in-between land. We hear that it's in between Samaria and Galilee. It's probably kind of like a no-man's land. And as we hear Jesus is on the way, we hear of how the ten men with skin diseases, leprosy, we hear them calling out, calling out for their collective mercy. They cry out from a distance, of course, because they have to keep their appropriate boundaries. They know what the societal appropriate norms are. But they cry out saying, Jesus, Jesus, won't you have mercy on us? Whenever I read scripture, I kind of rehearse it in my head as if it was a play. And so when I hear this passage from Luke, I imagine a lot of people shuffling around, a lot of bodies going from place to place. The men with skin diseases, the lepers, approach Jesus from a distance. Jesus tells them to go. The lepers go, and they're made clean. There is movement. There's goings and comings. And as Jesus was on the way, so too are these lepers on the way. We hear of just one man turning back. The same man praises God. He lies at Jesus' feet. Immediately, though, as he lies there, 
Jesus tells him to get up and go. Go. What are you doing here? Go because your faith has made you well. As you have received mercy, go be mercy for other people. And all through this movement, this shuffling from place to place, the gospel of Luke really wants us here to tag along. From scene to scene so we don't miss a beat. So we can also discover and see the heart of faith. And as we witness Jesus and others on the way to the cross, we are with them. Jesus' stop is no coincidence. It's also no coincidence that this won't stick. That's okay, though. It'll be there. It's like a little buddy. But it's no coincidence that he's here. His journey to Jerusalem is supposed to unfold and show us his love, his abundant love and compassion. While we might say that people find Jesus, that the ten lepers are the ones that find Jesus, I think it's kind of the other way around. I think it's that Jesus finds the lepers. The lepers who no one dares to come near. The lepers who certainly aren't being sought after by anyone. Those are the people that Jesus is seeking. It's also no coincidence that the gospel is meticulous in letting us know that that one man who turned around, that one person who turned around is a Samaritan. He is the one who turns back and praises God. The one who was not only seen as unclean with his condition of the skin disease, but also the foreigner the one who is seen as the other. It's a story that we are invited to step into, to move into, to shuffle around and ask ourselves, what is happening here? What are we supposed to learn from this? Does it matter that one turned back? Are the other nine, did they not do something that was worthy enough? Where are they going? There's a lot of goodness in this passage. We could try to analyze why only one came back. We could try to make up stories for the other nine or do that thing where we kind of jump into people watching and we make up stories for certain people and make up certain lives for people and say maybe the first one did this and the second one did this. We can make up all of these stories for the nine that we don't hear from again. We can go down a lot of rabbit holes here. But I think a helpful start to this wondering is to return to the movement that we see in the passage, that we feel in the passage, the action, the shuffling, because shifts are happening in the movement. The 10 lepers receive mercy and are made aware of the grace of Jesus Christ. Collectively and individually, they are ushered into new identities, ones that allow them to be on the move, ones that allow them to go out into the world that has said that they, in the past, that does not want them, one that allows them to be the hands and feet, to be disciples, and to share the good news. A couple of years ago, Diana Butler-Bass put out this book called Freeing Jesus. 
It's an interesting title, Freeing Jesus. But what she's trying to do here is talk about how Jesus isn't static. But Jesus is actually a pretty dynamic person. Jesus is something and someone that we should get to know in a lot of different ways. She does this by going through her own spiritual journey and talking about how along the way in her time of being a Christian, she has found how Jesus has been to her, the different ways in who Jesus has been, whether that's Jesus as teacher, Jesus as friend, Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Savior. There are a lot more. But one I find particularly captivating is her chapter on Jesus as the way. Now, Jesus is the, as the way is not a brand new concept. This is something that a lot of us have heard, I am sure. It's pretty clear throughout scripture that we hear Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, the light, the one. Diana Butler Bass is not trying to be revolutionary here and tell you that she is the one who has figured out that Jesus is the way. She's not trying to reinvent the wheel. But instead, what she's doing is inviting us to step into the way. Jesus as the way does not entail checking off boxes or having clear-cut decisions of wrong or right in faith. Instead, she says that in this journey, on our way, there is no destination. There is no destination on this way, only the enveloping presence of love. The way is not a series of techniques. It's not something to acquire like certificates or diplomas, right? (laughs) But the way is dynamic. The way is relational, where Jesus Christ invites us to receive and to be love. The love of God is the way, and the love of God makes the way. Through Jesus, we see that these men are not only healed, but they are made whole. New identity has been found in Christ an identity that casts out marginalization, that rejects an identity of the other. And we might be quick to see these 10 men as props. The 10 men over here who have the skin disease, the 10 lepers, they're just characters. Maybe we only see them as avenues or ways to show only who Jesus Christ is. Yet it is Jesus, Jesus Christ, who places these 10 men These 10 men with skin diseases, the most unlikely of people, they're not priests, they're not matriarchs, they're not kingly figures. He places those people right in the heart of the story. The most unlikely, the people who do not boast privilege and status and access, those are the people that are on the way. Jesus saw them and was with them. Jesus's encounter with this ragtag group is a pattern throughout scripture. It's a pretty great pattern. Going back to the Hebrew Bible, we hear and see of God's encounters with human beings. God invests in the lives of people. 
like Moses and Abraham and Esther and Deborah and so many more. All of these stories that we know create this message that our God is the God who desires to embrace all. Our God is the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go and be love. To be the one that sends us out into the world, that sends us out along the way, knowing that Jesus is right alongside us. At the heart of this story, amidst the movement and the chaos of transformation that is quick and sudden, it seems like, is an invitation that is extended to us. An invitation to wholeness and an invitation to be on the way. We are called to witness, to carry and live into this awareness of grace and love. And the Samaritan, the one who returns, the one who comes back, his gift of praise to God is not just a one-off response. This foreigner the one that people have called the other, throws himself at Jesus. He falls to Jesus and he witnesses to the mercy that he has seen and that he has experienced. This Samaritan witnesses to an entire trajectory, to our trajectory, the trajectory of Jesus's presence in all of our lives. We're not called to respond exactly like the Samaritan did, but instead we're able and we're called to imagine our own trajectory, our collective trajectory, to be awakened to the grace in our lives and around us. Jesus is inviting us into something here, something pretty exciting. We're not called to be carbon copies or robots or to go through the emotions or figure out some playbook of faith that is all nice and neat and tidy for us. But there's a promise here that is distinct and different and unique. It's the promise of human witness with Christ as our shepherd. No longer are the 10 men forced to keep their sanctioned boundaries the ones that placed them on the margins, the ones that told them they are not enough and that they would never be enough. As we once saw them call to Jesus, crying out for mercy, we now see them throwing themselves at Jesus' feet. Or maybe we can imagine some of the other nine embracing their friends and family who they haven't been able to in a very long time. Maybe some are back in isolation because they are scared at what is happening. But Jesus doesn't just heal them. He restores all 10 of them, making them whole again. Blessing them with new truths of grace and a new identity found in God. What Jesus is doing here, once again in this boundary space, in this sleepy place where all the outcasts are dwelling, it's something different. It's where everything changes. This week, I had the chance to counsel some third and fourth graders at camp. 
And during our worship time, we did sacred circle together. Some of you might be familiar with that, but it's where we literally sit in a circle and we share Bible passages and we talk about who God is and how we experience God. And in our time together, we went through a few stories. We went through Jesus' birth story, we went through Zacchaeus, and we went through where Jesus washes the feet of an unexpected person. All of these were Jesus loving his neighbors, Jesus loving the marginalized. It was a quick synopsis to pull off just, you know, the life of Jesus in a couple days, but we did it. But during one of our last worship moments together, one camper said, out of the blue, of course, but of course, very beautifully and astutely, they said, you know, I think all these stories were supposed to go together. And another followed saying, was Jesus just everywhere with everyone and anyone? And then she did this really cool thing where before anyone could answer, she answered herself. And she said, oh, well, die was. He's Jesus. All of our campers laughed. And another had the final word by saying this. She said, I think Jesus is just a really great friend. Like the best friend. And amen to that. The good news of discipleship and Jesus showing and being love is probably something that we've all heard in one way or another. We are not here to reinvent the wheel. And discipleship is not new. But I have to say, I think it's still pretty groundbreaking. Jesus invites us on the way. Into this miraculous process of being made whole, we are invited to be with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, and sustainer in this life to be in relationship with God, moving and shuffling around in that whole mess of transformation, the stuff is still pretty groundbreaking. And so may we pray to be made whole again. May we rest in the truth that Jesus continued on his journey. He went to Jerusalem. He was arrested. He was crucified. He was buried. He died and he rose again. He rose so that the 10 men, so that all of us here today may have abundant life. So that we may live into the aliveness of the grace that is so freely given to us. And thanks be to God for that. So as we continue praising and worshiping our God, our God who desires for us to be fully alive to express our faith in our uniquely precious ways that God holds dear, let us hear these words again from Psalm 65. And as we hear these words, maybe you want to close your eyes, maybe you want to look off into the distance, but just be. And consider how God is moving in your hearts, how God is calling you to be on the way, to get up and go, because your faith has made you well. Hear these words from Psalm 65. 
Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Mm-hmm.